You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Tuesday to you all. Hope you all are doing fantastic out there wherever you might be. Plenty to get to ahead on this edition of the Locked On Cougars podcast. We'll continue on with our 100 seasons of BYU football looking back at 1974. A big accomplishment achieved in Lavelle Edwards' third season at the helm of the BYU football program. We'll talk about that. We'll also catch up with Max Tooley, BYU linebacker, a guy who's expected to take on an even bigger role this year on BYU's defense. We'll catch up with him and of course catch you guys up on everything else you need to know as a BYU fan here on a Tuesday. It's all brought to you today by our good friends of the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. If you have any questions about the NFL Draft, whether it's player breakdowns, looks at how roster adjustments may play out in favor of your favorite team, I would encourage you guys to check out the Locked On NFL Draft. They've got it covered from top to bottom. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. All right, without further ado, let's have some fun on a Tuesday. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for June 29th, 2021. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thank you again for taking some time to join us on your daily podcast focused on all things BYU. And I say daily, and I need to kind of issue an apology in a way about yesterday's episode. I was out of the town over the weekend playing golf with my father-in-law, got home, and everything seemed to be hunky-dory. Planned on recording a podcast Sunday night like a typical do to talk about whatever we're going to talk about on a Monday, which is a lot of what we're going to talk about today, funny enough. But then uh, breaking news for the Utah Jazz, as I mentioned, I work for the Zone Sports Network in my day job. And of course, we are the broadcast home of the Utah Jazz. So when you have a front office shakeup, a lot happens really quickly. And I was unable to record on Sunday night. Then Monday, I get to work here at the Zone doing my thing with DJ and PK. My wife calls me after the show and says, hey, your kids are not well. They're not feeling well. And I get home, and let's just put it this way. It's been a struggle. They've been ill. Uh, We think it's food poisoning, and luckily they've officially turned the corner, it looks like. We haven't had any throwing up for a little while now, but... Oh, man, what a day it was. I can tell you that much. Trying to get kids to drink water and stay hydrated. And when you have two kids under the age of five, that's a bigger task than many might realize. I know some of you that are parents can commiserate with me, but it's just my way of saying, hey, my apologies for not having an episode yesterday. Just never was able to ultimately sit down and knock out a podcast. And I'm finally getting to it now. All right, let's talk a little BYU football, though, starting off today's show. Looking back in BYU football history, 1974 for the BYU football football program was a very, very big season for one major reason. But let's talk a little bit about how the season progressed first off. BYU opened the year in 1974 with some expectations, obviously. You had Gary Scheide coming back as a returning quarterback, the first uh, quarterback to really play in this pass-happy offense they had implemented in 1973. And the season started not well. They went to Hawaii, uh, traveled over there to the islands, lost 15-13, to then came home for their home opener against Utah State on September 21st, lost that game 9-6, and this offense was sputtering to start the season. They followed it up with a blowout loss at Iowa State in Ames, 34-7. 
And then finally, uh, I guess, quote unquote, got off the snide a little bit with a win or not a win, a tie against Colorado State and Fort Collins, 33 to 33. So a month into the season, four games into the season in 1974, BYU is sitting at 0-3-1. And and you know how BYU fans are. They react always in the right way. No, they didn't. I'm sure they were very upset. But then what happened was one of the biggest turnarounds in Lavelle Edwards' early tenure. I think it really set the tone for many seasons to come as BYU just started putting together absolute butt-kicking performances. They came home and played only their second home game of the season, blew out Wyoming 38-7, followed up with a second straight home game, taking care of UTEP 45-21, then went to Arizona, who was ranked number 16 at the time, and got a huge win, 37-13. Suddenly, BYU's 3-3-1. They're back to 500 just like that. But the win streak continued. They went to Air Force, won a grinder 12-10, followed up with another win over then number 16 Arizona State. So both Arizona schools very good this year, and BYU beats both of them. They beat Arizona State in Provo 21-18, so back-to-back close wins. But the win streak reaches five. Then they go to New Mexico, absolutely route the Lobos 36-3, and then absolutely pummel BYU. They they are BYU. They pummeled Utah in their final regular season game, November 23rd, 48 to 20, with that seven-game win streak and a seven-four, excuse me, seven-three and one overall record. BYU won their first bowl berth in program history, a berth into the Fiesta Bowl, where they took on Oklahoma State and lost that game as WAC champs, 16 to six. Oklahoma State uh, was a tough team. They actually played for uh, played in the Sun Devil stadium in tempe arizona there at the fiesta bowl byu very much uh, obviously would have liked to have won that game but i think many people know that the track record in bowl games under lavelle edwards was not necessarily the most stellar but the biggest thing was about this season is that byu won their first bowl berth after what uh 50 60 years it feels like of playing football it finally happened in 1974 played in that fiesta bowl and just to make it there i think was an absolutely huge accomplishment for the byu football program especially considering they started the season 03 and 1 to think about that when you start 03 and 1 and your offense just can't get going there's obviously and people thinking okay this pass happy off offense it's a gimmick it's not going to work out blah 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 blah. well Gary Scheide and the BYU offense got it going finally and very much were the beneficiaries of that uh stellar players and stand oh, not stellar players standout players for BYU in 1974 included Gary Scheide who was a senior this year on that squad passed for 23 touchdowns against 19 interceptions and this is a different era folks 19 interceptions today probably get you benched uh excuse me 2174 yards passing for Gary Scheide 23 touchdowns against 19 interceptions he passed the ball 300 times during this season but he was also helped out by a very solid run game. Jeff Blanc had a fantastic year, rushing for 784 yards and six touchdowns. Charlie Ayu also added 271 yards and three other backs had over 100 yards on the season, including future star Todd Christensen. He was just a freshman on this team, but very much showed the promise that would end up making him a standout player for BYU and then obviously a Pro Bowl and Super Bowl winning player for the Oakland Raiders at the time later on in his football playing career but very much a season the BYU turned the 
narrative on its head after that first month. They really just could not get things going. But things clicked in and they absolutely took off. As I mentioned, Jeff Blanc had a fantastic season running the ball. Well, he was one of the first running backs at BYU, as we'll talk about here in future episodes, who very much was a dual threat player. Both run the ball as well as catch it. He was actually second on the team with 32 receptions for 442 yards and four touchdowns. John Betham led the team with 569 yards and six touchdowns receiving. But Jeff Blanc, uh, that's over a thousand yard season combined total offense for him. And that's very much something that I think would become a staple of BYU's offense. Many of you will recall that BYU's lack of a running game in the 1970s, 1980s was supplemented by the fact that they passed the ball to the running backs out of the out of the backfield. And that very much kind of counted as almost a a running play in many ways because they passed the ball out there and let the players make a play. Uh, You see that more and more in today's RPO offenses. We're going to get guys outside. We'll just toss in the ball on a short swing pass and let them do their thing. It's essentially an extended run play. It counts as a pass by and large, but it's very much in vogue now. And BYU kind of got ahead of the trend of it in the 1970s and 1980s. But we'll continue to talk about how 1975 and on and on went for Lavelle Edwards. But a massive, massive accomplishment for BYU to get that first bowl berth in program history. Obviously, you want to win those bowl games, but to go to the go to Sun Devil Stadium, play in that Fiesta Bowl, and obviously be playing that game in front of, I'm sure, plenty of BYU fans you're down there in the Valley, as well as plenty of BYU fans traveling from Utah to pl- see that first bowl game in program history. It's absolutely a massive accomplishment for Lavelle Edwards and his program. And as we will see in future episodes, bowl games became very much a regular thing for BYU because they started winning at a very, very high clip. But we'll continue to talk about those in future episodes. Uh, by the way, you're probably wondering, well, Jake, aren't you off on your countdown? I luckily, and probably hit, uh, blind squirrel blind nut type of a deal. I actually built in about a week buffer for myself with this countdown and the countdown to the season. I've used up a few of those days and yesterday obviously is one of them. So we are still actually going to be on track. We'll finish this countdown by the time that the 2021 season begins in Las Vegas on September 4th. So just kind of a heads up on that as well. All right, coming up here in a minute, I had a chance to catch up with Max Tooley, one of BYU standout linebackers at BYU Football Media Day on June 17th, just about two weeks ago. Had a great conversation with him about BYU's defense. We'll let you hear that conversation here in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends over at Bet Online. They are the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action, guys. No matter what your interest might be, golf, baseball, hockey, uh, NBA hoops, uh, futures for college football and NFL, whatever it might be, Bet Online has the options for you guys. All the odds, all the different prop bets, you can bet on them all now. You can sign up for free at betonline.ag. Sign up for that free account, but also while you're there, you can get a 50% welcome bonus. It's really simple to get that bonus. All you got to do is when you make your first deposit at betonline.ag, use the promo code Locked On, and 50% of whatever you deposit the first time will be added into your account. Yes, free money from our friends at Bet Online. So take advantage of it now. That's betonline.ag as they are your online sportsbook experts. All right, folks, time now to catch up with one of BYU's standout linebackers. And the linebacking core for BYU this year, I think, is going to be the absolute backbone and strength of this BYU defense. You have multiple guys. I feel like they go potentially three deep at guys who would have a shout to be starting caliber players at BYU. But they are, of course, headlined by Keenan Peely, Peyton Wilgar, and Max Tooley. I think they're going to be your three starting linebackers for BYU, no matter how they may list it on the BYU depth chart with, what, 18 defensive positions. But I had a chance to catch 
catch up with Max Tooley, a guy who very much had a breakout season a year ago, a guy who showed a lot of ability despite being undersized, playing some of that rush end role for BYU at points. We had a great conversation at BYU Football Media Day, and here you go. We had some conversations with with both Kevin Clune and Elisa Tuiaki, and they have both mentioned they think the linebacking core is the strength of this defense this year. Would you concur with that statement? I mean, being a linebacker, I, I definitely I would concur. You know, I think we have a lot. I mean, probably overall the most experience on the team. Um, we played in a lot of big games, so I think there's a lot of leaders and from a lot of position groups, a lot of talent, a lot of skill. I think overall, you know, the linebackers have probably more consistent um, experience, and uh, you know, I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to like the core of a, a defense. You know. I think most people see it as Keenan Peely, Peyton Wilgar, and you as kind of the main three guys for this, but I. Talking with Coach Clune, he says that it goes much deeper than that. And we also saw, even with the depth chart, all kinds of different positions. Does that excite you, just having that versatility and knowing, hey, if I need to take a playoff, I can get somebody else out here and they can do exactly the same job I'm doing? Oh, yeah, obviously that's that's always something you want in a, in a defense especially. Um, you know, it's tiring playing every play and I mean, having uh, guys that you can trust to, to come in and, and you know, not skip a beat, that's something you always want, especially as a linebacker core. Um, so having those guys, we got a lot of a lot of guys who either haven't had as much playing time experience because of, uh, you know, older guys playing or just because of injuries and stuff, you know, people are going to step up and, you know, they're going to make plays when they need to. We saw you last year kind of become like more of that pass rush type of a guy, but I think most people saw you as undersized. Have you added weight on? What's your plan with that? Yeah, I think I was definitely a little bit undersized uh, for what I did last year. I think nobody really would disagree with you on that. Um, but yeah, I'm always uh, trying to gain weight. It hasn't been the easiest thing for me, but I think you know this this summer I've definitely consistently gained a bit more weight. So hopefully by by fall I'll be a little bit heavier and be able to you know play that that power five team that we got or power five schedule we got coming up so what have you I guess you've had a pretty well-rounded game I remember watching you back at Bountiful High School and you were able to pretty much do everything you needed to do at that level what have you tried to add to your game at this level especially this past off season? you know obviously that I think the biggest difference between you know high school and college is you know, it's a lot more complex of a game. There's a lot more going on in high school. It's pretty standard. Um, you know, you do what your coach tells you to do. But you know, there's a lot more accountability when it comes at the next level. And I've learned that you know over the years. Is you know, if you don't do stuff on your own, if you're not doing the extra the extra stuff, um, you know, put in that extra time, whether it be film in the weight room, like you're really gonna fall behind quickly with uh, the other high caliber athletes that we will play every week. So I think, yeah, for sure. And just, a, it's a lot mental too, you know. It's, uh, you gotta think a lot more. There's a lot more plays, a lot more complexity. I don't know the word. Complexity. <laughs> complexity yeah. to, to defense and, you know, covering offensive guys and whatnot, so yeah. I see a lot of people talk about Peyton and his ability to just kind of adapt to whatever scheme he's placed in. What makes him so versatile? Now, I think, you know, first of all, Peyton's one of my best friends. You know, I, I think the world of him, but I think he's always just been, I've watched his, his film from high school. We always talk about <laughs> the good old days, and he's always been one of those guys that's just, 
you know, athletic, fast, you know, strong. He can fly around. Um, so I think just, and he has such a, a, you know, a brain for the game. You know, he he can watch a football game and tell you everything that's going on. That's kind of just how he is. It's just naturally how he is. So I think just that natural instinct is, you know, allowed him to do a lot more than maybe some other people are able to just because he knows the game so well. I had a similar question about Keenan Peely. He seems to be just kind of a quiet guy out there, but, mm-hmm. but leads by example. What about him? Like, what, what, what makes him tick, I guess? Yeah, Keenan, I mean, I, I grew up with him, and not grew up, but I went through my recruiting process with him, and I, I played against him my final game of high school. I always saw the way he played, very similar to Peyton. I think they, they play very similar. They just have a nose for the ball, and... Uh, so Keenan's always been one of those guys that's just been, you know, he is a quiet, shy guy, but he always works hard. He's always uh, flying to the ball. I don't think you'll ever see a play where he's not, you know, you know, diving in into the, the pile. You know, that's just how he, he is. He throws his body around. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, I mean, he has the ability and, you know, the toughness to be able to do that every play. So it's just something that I think everybody on the defense can look look as as uh, an example of a you know someone who hustles around and uh, you know likes to make plays so I've got two more questions for you one about coach Clune. obviously you've worked with other coaches throughout your playing days not even just at BYU but what is different about coach Clune as compared to other coaches you've had um I honestly think you know obviously every coach I've had has been involved in in not only my football life but my life but you know, sometimes uh, we joke and say Clint's a little over the top like that. And not, in a, not in necessarily a negative way, but he definitely is a positive thing. He cares a lot about us as, uh, as real-life people, you know, outside of football. He doesn't, he's not all about, you know, you got to watch your film, you got to do all this. He's always concerned about, you know, how's your family, how's your, how are your grades? Um, and I think just that alone sets him apart. He's always checking in on us and... Uh, trying to see you know how we can make our lives more um, enjoyable and like how we can help us because uh, you know that's his job and I think yeah, it's really nice to have a coach that really uh, you know dedicates himself to us another topic du jour do you know what the frodo position is can and can you explain it honestly I, I it's like a field field edge type backer but not really <laughs> <laughs> Max, thanks so much. Yeah, I appreciate it. There you go, Max Tooley, BYU linebacker. And you heard him talk about the fact that he's trying to put on some extra weight to play at a better level this year. And you know what? The fact that he played about, what, 200 pounds, it felt like last year, and was still as productive as he was, especially at times playing up there on the defensive line, just shows his ability. This is a guy who gets it done with his agility, his speed, and his athleticism. And that's something that BYU very much is going to take advantage of, or at least they should take advantage of in 2021. I expect him to reprise his role in a very good way. I'm sure Keenan Peely and Peyton Wilgar will have their usual steady diet, excuse me, not digest, diet of just 
racking up tackle after tackle and being those true run stoppers in BYU's defense, but it allows Max Tooley to be freed up to just kind of be that wild card who can make a sack, an interception, just make a big play, and that's what we're looking for from Max Tooley going into this fall. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll wrap up today's show with some of the news and notes as a BYU fan you'll want to know about. We'll get to all of that in just a minute. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends at Built Bar. They are the best tasting protein bars ever, folks. I am reminded of this every single time I open a Built Bar. I absolutely love them. They're soft and easy to chew. They taste like a candy bar. And the best part is they're healthy for you. High fiber, high protein, low sugar, low calories. They're the perfect complement wherever you might be on your health journey. Whether you're trying to lose or maintain weight, you can indulge in a delicious treat and you can do it with Built Bar, guys. Nine base flavors in addition to all kinds of different limited time runs that they have at BuiltBar.com. When those limited time flavors pop up, take advantage and get them because once they go away, they don't come back around for a while. It's actually kind of a brilliant marketing strategy on their part, I have to be honest. But get to BuiltBar.com right now, guys. Place your order. While you're there, while you're there use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. You heard that right. Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order at BuiltBar.com and get enjoying the best tasting protein bars with Built Bar. All right, folks, before we go here on a Tuesday, let's catch you guys up on some other news involving BYU athletics. Let's start off with this, some good news on the BYU football front. George Udo has kind of been kind of a do-everything type defensive player for BYU. Can play some linebacker, can play some safety, can even play nickel cornerback at times. Just kind of a unicorn of an athlete for the BYU football program. Well, he suffered a season-ending knee injury last year in 2020. The thought was that he may not be cleared until training camp, but he tweeted yesterday that he has been fully cleared and is ready to get back into training that is great news it means he's recovered well recovered quickly and that means the BYU fans can expect to see number seven back out there on defense for BYU this fall and that's some fantastic news on that front so congratulations once again to George Udo and looking forward to seeing him out there once again this fall other news involving BYU basketball involves two potential transfers in the transfer portal one of them is LSU transfer Seneca Knight he has been receiving interest According to John Rothstein of CBS Sports from the likes of Western Kentucky, Idaho, North Texas, FIU, Sam Houston State, UNC Asheville, Georgia Southern, and Charleston, in addition to BYU. Uh, funny enough, uh, he's transferring from LSU, but Knight only got to Baton Rouge in January. He's back in the transfer portal. He'll have a sixth year of eligibility. He was a really good player for San Jose State, despite being on a pretty bad team there at San Jose State before transferring to LSU. Averaged, I believe, 17 points. He's actually a really intriguing prospect. Six foot seven, more of a true wing player that I think BYU absolutely needs. A quote-unquote three and D potential guy with maybe a little more offense than most might think. I think this would be a fantastic pickup. The other uh, that BYU is reportedly in on, actually named BYU amongst his final five, is former BYU, not former BYU, former Portland State transfer Amari McCray. He is a six foot ten big man who has got a final five of Texas Tech, Clemson, Penn State, and Grand Rambling State, in addition to BYU. Uh, you may be wondering, okay, what's Amari McCray's background? Well, he played 12 games for Portland State before his season was cut short with a season-ending knee injury. He averaged 10.7 points, 5 rebounds, 1.3 blocks, and just 18 minutes of action. Uh, he's a grad transfer with one year of eligibility remaining. He did play for Barrett Peary, who was actually a native of Pace in Utah, been the head coach of Portland State for a while, recently resigned his position at PSU to become the associate head coach at Texas Tech. I 
would venture to say that McRae is a heavy, heavy favorite to go to Texas Tech, but I guess we'll find out if, if BYU has a chance at McRae, but it's interesting to hear him named, um, hear BYU named among the top five in this group, but we'll see what happens, but at least BYU still combing the transfer portal, trying to find an eligible athlete that wants to come to BYU to fill that final scholarship they have for this year. The good news is, I think there's still a bevy of options for BYU. Don't think that the portal is going to really dry up. The only concern you might have is that I think, is it July 1, I believe? So in here in a couple of days, athletes who have not declared that they're going to transfer before that deadline will not be eligible for this coming season after that timeline. So that's something to keep an eye on with regards to potential transfer portal additions. Could be why you pick up somebody after that and have them sit out this year. Absolutely. But I think they have every intention of finding an athlete who's immediately eligible to play this year for the Cougars as they make another run towards the NCAA tournament. All right, that is going to do it for this Tuesday edition of the show. A big thank you once again for you guys' continued support of the podcast. Please follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Locked on Cougars. If you'd like to weigh in with the podcast anytime, please email us. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address. And as always, please make sure you hit that follow button join us every single day in addition to leaving us a rating and review five stars only let us know what you like about the podcast in the comments section and of course love hearing from you guys and having you guys be a part of the show as well looking forward already to another edition of the show tomorrow talking about 1975 for the byu football program and we'll get ahead get to that on tomorrow's episode of the podcast until then have a great rest of your day this has been the locked on cougars podcast for june 29th 2021 and we will talk to you guys tomorrow.